This is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, and you have a treat. I think I've talked about this film before, and it just so happens it's on. I haven't watched it all the way through in a long time. Um, it's like watching a play on screen, but it's volatile, it's crazy, it's a roller coaster. Um, if you can hear some of it in the background, of course, that's Richard Burton and that's Elizabeth Taylor. They were both nominated. Elizabeth won and Sandy Dennis won. And George Siegel, who just died in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, um, which really could be... <laughs> A, you know, a cautionary tale about what happens to four alcoholics. Um, and they play a lot of games. And uh, I think one part of the film is called The Exorcism because they're bringing it out. And, oh, he's handing her a drink. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it could have been called Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, written by Mr. Edward Albee. Or it could have been called cirrhosis of the liver because, sadly, that's, that is what I think killed Richard Burton. Um, but they're all uh, drinking. And um, when Elizabeth Taylor was interviewed, she said that was the film she wanted to be remembered for. And, yeah, I think I have talked about this on the show before. And the night that she died, they played Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Very, very fitting because she said, hey, that's what I – she didn't want to be remembered for Butterfield 8. She won the Oscar for that. That really was the sympathy vote because she had a tracheotomy. They thought she was going to die. So, boom, give her the Oscar. She hated Butterfield 8. She stated that when she did the screening of it, she wrote piece of shit, seriously, on the screen because she – I think when she did Butterfield 8, as she put it, she had a gun to her temple uh, by the studio because Mike Todd had just died. And I guess Mike Todd had was the one who brokered the deal for her to play the hooker in Butterfield 8. So here we are at Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, where here she's, you know, she's this glamorous actress. She's been an actress since she was a little kid and finally proves herself as an actor. And puts on some pounds, puts on some prosthetics, lowers. I loved when she talked about how she came up with that character and she lowered her voice and she turned, she became a slob and opens the film by basically mocking Betty Davis with, What a dump. And then turns to Richard Burton and says, Hey, what's that from? What a dump. What's that from? And, and she's, and she's, rubing him about it and she's like what's that from huh for christ's sake it's from goddamn warner brothers some goddamn betty davis the thing also that is always got me was the language because what happened was the studio system died she came under the tutelage of that studio system as a young actor and here it dies and so filmmakers start to play around with language and nudity and situations. And I think she reveled in it. I think so did Richard Burton. Uh, 
And um, this was first time director Mike Mike Nichols, the late Mike Nichols. Everyone was nominated, but then A Man for All Seasons, that was the big film of the year. And the next year, Mike Nichols won an Oscar for directing The Graduate. So Mike Nichols was known for extremes. <laughs> you go, you start off, uh, he was doing comedy with Elaine May. And then he starts off doing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, followed by The Graduate. So, um, yeah, it's uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. It's probably one of the at first I thought, oh, I don't want to watch this because it's so dramatic. But they're playing all of these games. Some of it you can't help but laugh at because when she belittles George Siegel and she's like, um, Richard Burton says, oh, why don't you go and screw? He can't. He too full of booze. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she's, you know, she's calling him a flop and all that. And then Sandy Dennis's character wants to do her interpretive dance and George Siegel and her. I mean, you thought Elizabeth Taylor as Martha and Richard Burton as um, George. You thought they were volatile. Well, Sandy Dennis and George Siegel's character are very volatile. And so it's almost it's a mirror image as you start to watch the film and it's, but it's so well done. It, I've never seen a Broadway play. I've always wanted to, but I do know that it started off on Broadway. In fact, the late Elaine Stritch played Martha in who's afraid of Virginia Woolf or uh, I loved what Elaine Stritch said. She was talking to John Turturro in her documentary and she says, you know, the first time I had an orgasm, was on the set of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. <laughs> That's what she claims <laughs> on stage. I guess she had an orgasm, maybe metaphorically. <clears throat> when you tell people that, they're, you know how some people are kind of, they're thick, they don't get it. When you say metaphorically someone had an orgasm, they think they actually had one. It's like, no, metaphorically. It's like when I tell, I was telling someone, we were talking about an olive branch. I said, no, it's it's a figurative term, you know, where someone that I used to hate, I offer them an olive branch because, you know, you can give them the kiss of death if you want. I did that once with someone that I really disliked. I had to shake their hand in front of the manager and, and hug them. Oh, I'm so sorry. And all the while I'm thinking, I hate your guts. And I told a friend that and they said, what did you do? Why did you hug them? I said, it was the hug of death. I figured, you know. Play play nice. Um, yeah. But oh my God, this film. This film is just... F- first of all, you can see why Elizabeth Taylor won that Oscar. She... F- the second one, yeah, she didn't... The first one she didn't deserve. But that second one, she deserved it. Here is, here is this... She was, I think, 33 at the time this young glamorous actress and just goes for it. I mean, she, she did take a, she took a page from Betty Davis's book because Betty Davis, it was not about being beautiful. It was about being memorable. So not only is she parodying Betty Davis with what a dump, by the way, that's from um, 
I think it was the last Warner Brothers film that Betty Davis did, which was, um, uh, oh, geez, I forget. But it was the last Warner. Betty, Betty Davis talked about that because she left the set. There was no party. But the fact that she was impressed by Elizabeth Taylor parodying that line. But the fact that Taylor took a page from Betty Davis's book saying, I'm just going to look like shit. And now that's what happens. You look like shit and you, you win an Oscar for it. And then Sandy Dennis just, well, she looks like shit too. But that's, you know, whether they were drinking real alcohol on the set, I don't know. If not, that's that's called method acting if they really were. Um, but Elizabeth Taylor didn't strike me as a method actor. But she's really she's really giving it to them right now. And um they're what they're doing is they're playing these games, you know. You don't know, oh the mascara's running, look at that, look at that. The wig's a little lopsided. Um you don't know whether they do have a child or not. You know that Sandy Dennis's character and George Siegel's character, they couldn't have any children. But then with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton's characters, oh, she just spit in his face. Shit, that's that's real. Um, you don't know whether, because they say they actually, the child is dead or he grew up and he died. And there's all kinds of things going on with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. But it's a, it's a roller coaster ride. If I, if I really had to describe the film, it is a roller coaster ride. Epic performances. All four of them were nominated. Richard Pert- Burton lost to um, who did he lose to? Oh, um, Paul Scoff Paul Scofield Schofield. Sorry, he was British. Paul Schofield for a man of all seasons, and then Elizabeth Taylor won. She beat out a whole shitload of people. Sandy Dennis won for best supporting actress. And then I think um, George Siegel didn't win. I'm trying to think who won that year. That was that was a weird year. You know what I mean? I think after that she wasn't nominated ever again um, because she did what the quote unquote Burton and Taylor films very vol. I mean the relationship kind of oozed onto screen, but if if you really want to catch two performances and here they are a real life couple it's who's afraid of virginia wolf because i mean they really put the wolf in it and it's it's just volatile i mean richard burton's crying elizabeth taylor's crying george siegel's crying sandy dennis is always crying I think I recommended it to someone once and they watched it and they went, oh my God, you weren't kidding. That was a fuck fest. I said, yeah, it's a fuck fest, but it's fun to watch because you see these actors, what they're doing is they're, it's not just on the page. A lot of it, I think they're ad-libbing. There's a really great moment where Elizabeth Taylor is having it out with Richard Burton's character and She's telling him she wears the pants in the house because somebody's got to. And then my favorite part is when she says, I'm going to make the biggest goddamn explosion you've ever heard. And then there's the site that's the profile. That's when you have to watch it in in, in a widescreen. And, you know, 
couple of years ago, people didn't like, I know people who don't like widescreen now. And I'm like, I have to explain to them as a filmmaker and as a photographer, that's really how they shoot a film. It was at first it was called CinemaScope, but it's widescreen. And I, I learned that when I was taking photography, you know, you go into the dark room and you crop your photo. When you crop the photo, you're basically circumcising the photo. You're bastardizing it, which is a horrible thing to do. So when I watch films now on TV and it's just formatted to fit your screen, I hate it because they've bastardized the film. They've ripped it apart. They've neutered it. So to watch a film such as Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and to see that side profile, it has to be in widescreen. The same with um, another one would be uh, The Lion in Winter where Catherine Hepburn is walking with (laughs) um, Peter O'Toole and they're just going at it. And it has to be in widescreen because if it's in full screen, it just it looks like shit. And um, yeah, I'm a film nerd. And um, someone said that to me once. My brother called me a film snob. I said, well, someone has to, you know, because a lot of the films now, they just, it's, I don't get it. I don't get it. There's no substance to it. There's no, everyone's, everyone's attention span is the attention span of a flea, you know, that's 15 second clips and all that. And, um, you know, when you're making a film, when you're making art, you really have to focus. As someone who had ADD as a child, trust me, you have to focus. And when you're making art, you cannot fuck around. So the films today, that's why they're shitty, is because the attention span, everyone on the set, they're worried about the money. They're not worried about what they're actually doing. They're performing an exorcism. They're making a film. That's when a film is really good. When they really have to possess one another and really milk it, milk the the script and milk, you know, every everyone is in on it. And I've said this before on the podcast that a good film is like having sex. It really has to be good. It has to get sweaty. It has to get strange. It ha- I mean, it it has to. I mean, it has to connect. The same with music. A good album, same thing. It's it's. You know, it's got to get messy. (sighs) And who's afraid of Virginia? Oh, the sun's just come up. Look at that. It's messy. It's messy. My grandmother grew up watching all of these films in the 30s and the 40s. And Elizabeth Taylor, you know, Elizabeth Taylor was the big, big star. She'd been a star since she was a little kid. I've seen National Velvet. I've seen, what was the other one? Lassie, that was that was a weird one, um, and then um, and then she, you know, she grew up. She grew up on the screen, so to see her come to her own in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and really just show the industry. See, I can do it because the first Oscar, yeah, it was a fluke. It was a fluke. She almost died. That's really why they gave it to her. The person who really was supposed to win that Oscar that Elizabeth Taylor got the sympathy vote for was Shirley MacLaine for The Apartment. Poor Shirley MacLaine had to write, wait 25 years to win an Oscar for Terms of Endearment. But everything has its time. And Terms of Endearment is such a great film. And 
when you're going through grief and when you lose someone to cancer, I'll I'll be honest, that that film helped me so much. But because I remember watching it and thinking, that's not my family, but okay, there's cancer involved. Everyone's getting volatile. Um, that was in 2001. But um, I remember my grandmother and I talking about who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. And she said that at the time it was controversial because they say damn and they say goddamn and they say hell a lot. And at the time you couldn't say that in film. So Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf was one of the first films, you know, as as the industry started to change. And then, you know, 1967, you've got Bonnie and Clyde. You've got the violence, the sexuality. And then 1968, you've got Rosemary's Baby, Hello. And then 1969, Midnight Cowboy, you know, Hustlers and all that other shit. And then, and then the dialogue started to really change. He had films that really wouldn't exist with that studio system. An example of that is The Godfather. The Godfather. And Apocalypse Now and The Exorcist and The French Connection. So the film industry, there's, there's the, the first golden age of film. You know, where all these stars came up in a studio system, such as Elizabeth Taylor. And the second golden age of film is the 1960s and 70s, because that's when things really started. Film film became an art form, just as photography became an art form. Photography wasn't really seen that in the beginning. You know, it's like, okay, you got, Mar- uh, you know, Dorothea Lange, you've got all these photographers and it wasn't until, you know, people like Robert Maplethorpe, they were playing with nudity and sexuality and, and imagery and then uh, taking pictures of artists. So that's the same with film. film. Film really didn't get sliced open until the second golden age because everything that they learned from that standpoint. But um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Is, it's over now and... Um, I, I actually own a copy of it, and uh, it's it's exquisite. It really is. If um, you're studying acting and you want to see four actors at the top of their game, you watch Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Here we go. This is we'll we'll let Ben Mankiewicz fin- fill in the blanks. targets and many of their friends sought distance but not director mike nichols he never wavered and they never forgot given the opportunity to direct who's afraid of virginia wolf nichols seized it the film earned 13 academy award nominations including nods for best picture and best director it won five oscars including elizabeth taylor for best actress when production wrapped on the picture, Nichols gave Taylor a pair of diamond and ruby earrings as a thanks for a job well done. Taylor later sent word to studio head Jack Warner that she also wanted an $80,000 diamond and ruby brooch, you know, to go with the earrings. Warner's response, I'm paying her a million one hundred thousand plus 10% of the gross. Let her buy her own brooch. Ahead. Taylor stars as a Manhattan party girl opposite Lawrence Harvey. <laughs> so see, I figure I'd let him fill in the blanks. 
um, rather than shoot the blanks. Um, but yeah, Taylor and Burton, volatile. Re- oh, oh, look, it's Butterfield Eight. Oh, geez. <laughs> Followed by the Sandpiper. I've seen Butterfield Eight. It's a sad film to watch. At the same time, you can kind of see why Elizabeth Taylor hated it. She was a perfectionist. And and that comes from growing up in the studio system. In the studio system, you didn't fuck around. And you really, not not just being figuratively, you could not fuck around. They would fire your ass. So you had to be proper. And that all changed when the film industry basically caved in. And so you had all these directors like, okay, we are going to push the envelope. So they pushed the envelope. And Mike Nichols was such a great director, really knew how to he, – he, he had a lot of up-and-comers that we know now. I mean, nobody wanted to cast Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate. They wanted a blonde, blue-eyed Californian, and they picked uh, – Burnett, Californian. So if you think about that, if you think of the people that Mike Nichols put on the map, another one was Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg was doing a one-woman show off-Broadway. Off-Broadway means that you're playing it at a little theater to maybe 10 people. That's what off-Broadway really means. And it wasn't until she met Mike Nichols, Mike Nichols saw her production and said, you want to take this to Broadway? And she didn't believe him. And then they went to Broadway. And then they went to HBO. And that's how Whoopi Goldberg really became a star. And I know this because the the day after, I think it was the day after uh, Mike Nichols died. And Whoopi Goldberg couldn't bring herself to say it on The View. Because he, he gave her a career. And so um, Rosie O'Donnell and um, Rosie Perez feel, helped, helped say, you know, and including um, uh, she's on MSNBC. I forget her name. Um, she worked for the Bush administration, so you'll probably know who she is. Um, they filled in the blanks because Whoopi couldn't talk about it. Whoopi was just beset with, uh, besieged with uh, grief. And it was because Mike Nichols discovered her and Mike Nichols put her on the map. And so Mike Nichols did that for a lot of people. Mike Nichols worked with everybody from Meryl Streep to Melanie Griffin to Jack Nicholson to Candace Bergen to Anne Margaret. I mean, when you were in a Mike Nichols film... Anything could happen. And we learned that from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And we learned that from The Graduate. The Graduate is a really great example of Mike Nichols' brilliance. I mean, you've got Dustin Hoffman. You've got Anne Bancroft. Um, and what happens? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the brilliance of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is also due to the what's on the page by the late Edward Albee and what's on the stage and screen 
by Mike Nichols. So without that, you can't facilitate a performance of those proportions. Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, Sandy Dennis, and George Siegel. It really is a play on screen. And the other characters are, I think, the bar, the bar uh, maiden and the and the bartender, who own the liquor the liquor uh, joint. Those are the only act only actors that aren't the four on screen. It always got me when I was watching Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Is um, they were all driving drunk, and I thought, oh geez, that's the sixties for you. Or now, oh geez. Uh, they they would probably all be in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous now. At the time, that wasn't really a thing. You know, you didn't have Betty Ford. You didn't have all of these things that could help you. But it's a it's a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale of a young couple going to hang out with an older couple. Now nowadays. If we saw that, we would think, "Oh, they're going to swing," which is disturbing. They're going to—they're swingers. But um, in this instance, no, they are going to this older couple's house to make nice because one is a professor and and one is an up and coming professor. And boom, Elizabeth Taylor happens, and they all get drunk and play games, and some of the games are cruel, and some of the games are just. A mirror image of each couple. I'm sure if you're studying psychology, you would love Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Because then you you have these four characters to analyze. You know, and they're, and they're similar in so many different ways. Especially the way they play the game. And the way each couple is involved with the game. And one doesn't want to hear it, and one wants to hear it, and the other's offended, and this one's offended. <sighs> so it's by chance that I was talking about that tonight, and um, it's crazy. It's really crazy, but it's a damn good film. And I'd be remiss, you know, usually I do shows when we talk about actors who are no longer here. We've We've had a lot of that. And um, about eight years ago, you know, we lost Robin Williams and we lost uh, Lauren Bacall and then we lost Joan Rivers. And so, um, yeah, it was that was a weird time for me. Robin Williams was just a genius. And Joan Rivers, Joan Rivers, oh, geez. And then and then Lauren Bacall. I mean, I've seen so many Lauren Bacall films. And she's just brilliant. She was always brilliant. She had that voice. She had that voice. So here we are, Dr. Zeus Home Podcast. I don't beat around the bush. I don't I my my thing is you get to it. You know, um that can be taken so many different ways, as a friend of mine once said. Of course he was teasing me. He says, Yeah, you're not about the foreplay, you just dr- dive in. I said, Well, yeah. And then when I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> See, that could be taken figuratively because I could be talking about something totally different. But I know some of my listeners have their minds in the gutter, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I, I don't beat around the bush. It's like, okay, let's just get to it. Come on. You know, you've got, what have you got? Cards, you've got this, you've got that. All right. So, and that's how I like my films. I like my films in your face 
I like them well done, like a steak. I don't, I don't want, you know, there are certain films you watch and you're just like, where the fuck are they going with this shit? Are you kidding me? So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, certain, certain people I'm related to call me a film snob and it's like, no, I'm not. I want to be visually stimulated, but in a different way. Because I, I'm all about cheese and substance. I want a performance. I want a performance that is going to make me feel uneven, make me keep watching like it's a car crash. Because you're not supposed to watch a car crash. But it's, it, you know, being figurative, being proverbial. So, yeah, that's what a good film is. A good film has all of the, you know, from the cinematography to the dialogue, everything you could want in it it has to be a banquet a true banquet or for some of my listeners if you want me to get dirty i'll get dirty it has to be a true orgy okay no one has to have clothes on it has to be a true fuck fest all right that's what it has to be a film is many different parts many different components so there we go As always, unpleasant dreams.